Hey, NoosaCast listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast with friends or follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. Now, let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Hello, NoosaCast listeners. Welcome to another edition. In fact, edition number 19 of the NoosaCast. Um, we, we have a great episode here, Joe. Uh, we're going to just finish the world series, but it's never a wrong time to talk baseball. Oh, I love it, Tosh. We're talking baseball, right? Whether it's hot stove, whatever stove it, it's, uh, it's baseball, our, our first love. And we got a good show today. All, all local baseball. Um, be good. It's good to talk to these guys. We, we, we learned a lot and got a lot of good baseball stuff going on in this area. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, we have a little bit of little league. And then we move up into some of the club baseball with uh, Caviani Baseball. And uh, yeah, you're going to hear a lot of information about both of these programs. And I think it's going to be a a well-informed look at baseball in the area now. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's way more complex than than even a few years ago. There's a lot of different options for kids and these guys, we feel, you know, I don't know what's right and wrong, but but in our eyes, they're, they're both doing it the right way and, and come from a great place. So I, I think you folks are are going to enjoy the interview. And, and there's two folks that, you know, like we always say, they live in this area. They're, they're from northeastern Wisconsin. They're, they're our neighbors doing these kinds of things. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. You have a good weekend, Joe, a good week. I did, Tosh. Boy, not nothing, nothing super exciting to tell people. I just battled weather all week. I kind of felt like. But uh, how about you? Anything, anything stick out for you? Um, you know, it was a, it was a good week. Uh, I guess what sticks out is we we still have some teams moving into the level four of uh, of football playoffs. Um, Kimberly has moved on. Uh, Kakana has moved on. Wrightstown, Lux Casco has moved on as well. Um, that's exciting for those schools to continue into that level four and try to make it to the state tournaments, the state game, uh, championship games, I should say. In a lot of cases, this is the best football weekend for for games. It's similar to the NFL, you know, you know the, that that the conference championship game usually is better than the Super Bowl in most cases. And that, right. that's, that's the case here as well. You know, it's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a grind. Um, Kimberly, Kimberly's still the top dog out there until you knock him off. Uh, it's they're they're the favorites, but a, uh, this is going to be it's going to be a good game this week. Absolutely, you know we we've kind of been saying all all year, you and I, as we we've kind of talked about this. You just say, hey, "Is Kimberly okay? Are they good?" And you've said it the whole year. Till somebody beats them, it, they're the best, and and they continue the the march on. Um, and yeah, I want to shout out my wife's hometown of Reedsville. They're moving on to the round four. Uh, they just won a state championship. Was it last year or the year before? So they're they're trying to make a make a second trip to state here, and uh, yeah, they're they're playing they're playing down in Bigfoot 
which is uh, down the southern part of the state. So um, kind of fun for a small community like that, you know, all the way in Division 7. But still, good football and uh, uh, small town football is always fun. There's really nothing better than that, right? I mean, it's, yep. it's, it's what's in a small town, a church, a bar, a school, and a football <laughs> field, right? Right. And then we have to th- we have to also congratulate Xavier, uh, Xavier girls volleyball, yeah, second, second in a row, state champion in a row, yeah, yeah. two peats. So that's awesome for them. Um, congratulations to them moving through a fantastic season. I mean, they really dominated this season. So, Tosh, I um, saw a stat. Uh, AppletonSports.com. Actually, Paul Paul wrote this. The Hawks finished the season forty five and three. Yeah, and they they ended on a twelve match winning streak. They didn't drop a single set in those twelve games. That includes the state tournament, the semifinals, the state championship. They rolled wow. over the weekend. Friday three nothing. Saturday three nothing. Just total domination. That's so that's yeah, that's a powerhouse incredible. team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a great run for them for the last two years. So congratulations to Xavier girls, and uh, hope they can continue their uh, their successful run. All right. Well, I suppose Joe. It's time to get this uh, talking baseball started, and uh, you guys are going to hear a couple great interviews, and we hope you enjoy. And always remember to to continue to subscribe to uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and check out YouTube as well, as uh, we have some great content on YouTube as well. Oh, absolutely, as Big Cat likes to say, a twofer for the people. Got two great interviews. <laughs> All right, Tosh, want to play a little old look at new, take a look at uh, northeastern Wisconsin from a, maybe a little quirky perspective on our part? You bet. It's always it's always good to look at some history, whether it's northeast Wisconsin, whether it's the United States or the world. We always find something. What did you find out this week, Tosh? What, uh, what caught your eye? I'm going back to 1934, November 7th. It's not quite Wisconsin, but it's close. It's a uh, 1934, November 7th, the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants had the last scoreless tie game in the NFL. 0-0 tie. Interesting. No kidding. Yeah, I was like kind of shocked that there was a 0-0 tie in the NFL. Absolutely. Yes, that had to be an exciting game to go to indeed, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exciting game to watch, exciting game to go to. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Joe? What do you got? Well, Tash, I don't know. Mine, mine was, I guess at times was exciting, but then when I look back at it, I kind of quiver. But um, something that caught my eye this week is I was kind of perusing Facebook and, and brought back a memory. And I thought, you know what? This is perfect for an old look at new. And that's that's Charlie Pond's sports shop in downtown Appleton. Back, uh, well, guys much younger than us certainly aren't going to remember it, but uh, among many things that I remember from that sports shop, one was, do you remember, and you being a school teacher now and, and how things have changed, remember how we had to go there and get our gym uniform, the reversible blue and oh, white yeah. uh, shorts and shirt? And that was, we had to change yep, exactly. into that every gym class. Right. This changed a little bit. Oh. <laughs> it's definitely not doing that anymore. In fact, some of the kids don't even change in the gym clothes. Um, they just wear what they yeah. wear. But yeah, I remember those because- it had yeah the blue and white, uh, reversible shorts and uh, and shirt absolutely yeah Charlie Ponds that was, that was a special place right right on downtown College Avenue of you know the mall wasn't built then and, and things were certainly way different but you'd get your baseball glove there I mean it was good old fashioned yep. 
I don't know. I always had an image of like one of those old fashioned small town hardware stores, except that it was a sporting goods store. That was a fantastic place. I, I think I got my first baseball yeah, glove there. I definitely did. Um, yeah, that was that was an awesome place for no sure. No doubt. Right on College Avenue, um, Charlie Pond Sports Shop. So that was cool, Tosh. I always I love this segment. So that was an old look at new. Happy to say we're joined by Kevin Kostelecki from Appleton Little League. Kevin, it's a pleasure to have you. I haven't seen you in a while, so it's, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me, Joe. You too. As, as president of Little League, I know you've probably seen every hour of the day and night out uh, at one of your fields. It's uh, We haven't had many 6 a.m. games, but uh, something we might try. You've been a president here for quite a number of years now. How many years have you been at the helm? You know, it's kind of hard to count the years, but uh, since early 2016, uh, I've been president of the league. Um, and, uh, you know, coming up at the end of this month is uh, election time, and we'll figure out who's going to run this thing for two more, if it's me or somebody else. Yeah, well, very good. It's it's certainly good hands. I mean, a lot of great things have happened since 2016. Um, you know, first and foremost, I mean, looking at the picture, I mean, the fields out at not only at USA, but at Palisades Park. I mean, you've invested a lot in the fields that the kids that go through your program, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but they play at some really, really nice fields. It's not your local elementary school. Yeah, you know, it, a lot of programs have, you know, one or two fields, one or two complexes. Uh, you know, we're kind of scattered all over the city of Appleton and, and Village of Fox Crossing. Uh, we do take a ton of pride with our fields at USA Youth Sports Complex. Uh, you know, since... 2015, 2014, we've put a lot into it. We've put, uh, actually a little bit before that, we put lights up at Kratzer Field so we can play at night. Uh, we've got two fantastic scoreboards that were um, donated by uh, Shields Sports and uh, uh, both construction. Uh, donated a lot of labor and time for those. Uh, just gorgeous, beautiful scoreboards. Uh, but, you know, batter's eyes in the outfields, roofs on the dugouts, uh, sponsor signs in the outfields, uh, new batting cages. I mean, we, we continue to to improve the facility any way we can. Uh, one of the major improvements um, at the end of 2019 was the addition of 10 row high bleachers uh, behind each of Gromer and Kratzer fields there. Uh, with some safety netting over the top of that. Uh, Dr. Gromer was uh, kind enough. He and his uh, late wife uh, had donated, um, you know, a large amount of money. We were looking to build a third field out there with that, uh, but we had a more immediate need to to make the fields we have safer and better. Um, so, you know, rather than looking at Having mediocre long term, we we looked at making a better short term solution with that. Yeah, I mean it, it looks great, and certainly shout out to Dr. Gromer and Nick and Christy. I mean they, they've had kids go through the program. No, it, it looks wonderful out there. It's a great walk through there. It's it's a terrific experience as a parent to sit out there and, and one be protected. But um, you know, you mentioned all the amenities out there, and, and you know, to me, one of the nicest things out there is actually just the playing surface. It's it's a really nice well-maintained playing surface. Yeah, you know, credit to our volunteers, you know, namely uh, the ones who don't want to be mentioned, Steve Peters, Jeff Murray, and, and a whole ton of others. Um, you know, we, we look to uh, always improve the surface. We're, we're considering 
um, artificial field or artificial turf for the infields mm -hmm. at both of those fields. Excellent. Um, you know, just because the the amount of work it takes from um, volunteers and even some paid labor, it's just hard to find and hard to keep up. And, uh, you know, the season is, it, it seems like it's a quick season. Once it starts, it's, it, it's almost in the blink of an eye done. Uh, you know, it's not like that during the season, but once it's over, it feels like it, it's gone in a hurry and, you know, to, to save on rain dates and, and to, add more games there is really something we want to do yeah it definitely makes sense i know in the nfl they talk about you know playing surfaces being grass and all that but when you get to the high school level little league level just because especially up in this part of the you know the country it just makes sense to have turf you guys i mean the the juggling you have to do to make a schedule you know play out in april and may in wisconsin is, is a juggling act every year it's difficult to do yeah and to finish before the fourth of july is is always a challenge too so sure. you know we, we want some time in between the end of the season and in city tournaments but you know we really don't uh we want to make sure people have the fourth of july holidays to themselves and right uh, you know aren't playing some um, regular season ball at that time. Yeah, that that's nice. It's one of the nice things about Little League and maybe one of the differentiating things between like Little League and say travel baseball is the fact that if you're a family, the schedule is a consideration. You know, I, I don't think you guys necessarily play Memorial Day. You, you have, uh, you know, like you said, you try to have the season finished up by the 4th of July and it's families do vacation, you know, typically in July and August. So that, that's nice. Yeah, we try to make it predictable. You know, we uh, major in rookie levels. We play Mondays and Wednesdays, T-ball and, and minor levels. We play Tuesdays, Thursdays, uh, you know, but we try to keep Friday through Sunday uh, for the families. A lot of travel baseball, travel softball happens during those times, too. Um, you know, outside of the first May of uh, or the first Saturday of May, where we have opening day, uh, which we just brought back this past year. Um, you know, we try to keep those weekends free. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't want to use the fields on the weekends. You know, we're, we're trying to look to improve the fields to uh, add USA to make them a, a seven day a week uh, usage rather than mostly just four days right now. Sure. No, that'd be great. Uh, you, you gave me an idea when you were talking. We uh, went out, Tosh and I, my, my co-host, um, went out to discover sports night a couple of weeks ago. Um and we brought our mobile equipment with us. I think maybe we'll have to come out to opening day of Little League with our mobile equipment and get some interviews and take in what's what's really a, well, to me, the highlight of the year is opening day. It's a lot of fun. You guys do a nice job with that event. Yeah, it's uh, it's something we take pride in. It's it's something to you know give the season a kickstart right off the bat uh, and really inject some energy into it right away. It's a lot of work to do, uh, and we've had it at uh, Memorial Park uh, for rookie minor major levels. Uh, T-ball, we have a Palisades Park uh, in Fox Crossing. But, uh, you know, if we get three, in, three or four fields out at USA, uh, you know, we really want to bring that opening day experience there to, uh, you know, somewhere the number one, it's, it's our home. Uh, and number two, it's just more of an intimate setting. Uh, Memorial Park, the fields are, while they're adjacent to each other, there's a lot of distance in between each. And, you know, I think having the fields really close together um, really adds to the um, the baseball, softball environment. It just, you, you feel the energy from the field next door to you when there's cheering and, 
and uh, it's it's it just electrifies it. No, absolutely, I agree. Well, let's talk a little bit about about Little League. It's been around since 1958. Um, you, you have more than just you know the say the the boys you know traditional Little League. You you have you have girls softball. You have you mentioned a little bit. You have t ball. Um, Go through a little bit, maybe of, of what um, I mean. Kid can start pretty young, girl or boy, uh, and 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 advance through the program right right until they're a teenager, basically. Correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so baseball is co-ed. It's uh you know not just a boys program like uh, traditionally some people have thought. We've had girls play uh, at the minor level, um, maybe one or two at the major level too. Uh, you know, it was really interesting uh, for opening day. We had. Uh, in our minor baseball program, a, a female pitcher, a female umpire, um, and a female manager all at the same time at the same game. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And I thought that was a really cool thing. It wasn't planned, uh, just something that happened. So, yeah, our, our baseball program is co-ed. Um, it runs ages 4 to 12, uh, the date determined as of uh, how old that player is August 31st of that playing year. Uh, so baseball can start a little bit sooner. Uh, girls softball is also league ages 4 to 12, uh, but based on December 31st of the year prior. So you could have twin boys and girls, and if the girl's playing uh, softball, uh, she might have to wait uh, nine months to play, mm -hmm. depending on the uh, the ages. But, uh, you know, we've had uh, junior level, senior level programs in the past for ages 13 on up. Uh, we've talked about the possibility of bringing back junior softball uh, for ages 13 and 14 and the best of the 12s, um, especially with the middle schools, you know, having issues with losing fields uh, this past year. Um, you know, there may be an opportunity for us to to do girls softball at the higher ages, uh, just something in between where we are in high school. Now, there's several opportunities within that. So a, a kid, hypothetically, could play, like you said, Tuesday, Thursday, maybe practice two days a week. Other kids that maybe uh, want a little bit more, that you, you have all-star teams, you know, kind of uh, that, that can compete. And, I mean, ultimately, could even go to the World Series that, that we see on, on TV. But um, th there's a path through your program to, to do that as well. Yeah, you know, Little League is, uh, we're the only Little League in northeast Wisconsin. Uh, Kakano was with us. Um, for about three or four years recently, uh, but in all of Northeast Wisconsin, Appleton Little League is the official only Little League in District 5. Our, our, nearest, uh, our nearest leagues are Anago and Rhinelander, uh, Merrill. Uh, but yeah, we've got opportunities for uh, T-ball ages four to six, uh, rookie ball where we use pitching machines for both baseball and girls softball uh, ages six to eight. Um, minor baseball softball ages 8 to 10 or 11 and major baseball and softball typically ages 11 and 12 but uh some of the best 10s also play there as well so sure um you know really opportunities for for kids at any age and you know it's you know where does little league fall it's it's kind of you know somewhere between recreation ball where it's more of an introduction very limited one hour practice a week, one hour game a week is what they do typically uh, for seven seven weeks or so. Um, you know, we typically offer two games a week, um, 10 games for T-ball, 12 games for rookie, uh, 13, 14 
to 15 regular season for minor and major. And, and for rookie on up, we have end of season tournaments um, at the end of June for those programs as well, uh, where we crown city champions. We've got trophies and, and things for even the rookie players as well. Sure. Um, and then, of course, you know, the path to the World Series for Little League. Um, we have state tournaments for uh, 10- and 11-year-old programs for baseball and 10-year-old programs for softball. But for the major division or the Little League division, which it's called, for both baseball and softball, those go uh, all the way to the World Series. Um, Little League in, in South Williamsport and and uh, softball, I believe, in Greenville, North Carolina, is where their World Series is. We've actually had a couple teams for softball reach the World Series in 1999. We had a team place third in the World Series, and, nice. and uh, there was one more previous to that that uh, went as well, I believe. Oh, that's awesome. I, I remember, and maybe it was Babe Ruth now that I think about it, but uh, I thought there was a, a team right around in maybe the, the 80s sometime that, that advanced pretty f- far. I don't know if they if they made the World Series or not, but it was it, it was pretty far. What, one of the interesting things with, with the NUSA cast that Tash and I have found when we talk to different athletes is every single one of them have played multiple sports. And I think that's one of the great things that the way you have Little League set up, it is set up nice that Kins kids can play multiple sports um you know i don't know where i'm sure you've seen all you know you've seen all points of view of, of people and how they stand on that issue but i think at the end of the day when, when when the really successful athletes are saying i played multiple sports i can't help but think that's that's kind of the way it should be yeah you know i love multiple sport athletes um you know i, I did it myself and and the Bo Ryan, you know, some of his best athletes and recruits were multi-sport athletes. You know, I, I think it's just good to get that different coaching, uh, use those different muscles, be around different types of games. It's It just, I think, builds you into a, an overall better athlete in person, uh, especially at the younger ages when you can do multi-sports. Uh, you know, we don't compete time-wise with football. Uh, for those who do want more baseball and softball, we have a second season of play during the month of August, which used to be just 9- to 12-year-old baseball for the first few years around, I think, 2014, 2015 is when we started that. Uh, then we started adding more of the lower levels of baseball. Uh, and then we brought in girls softball in 2019. Uh, and, of course, 2020, we had the year of COVID where that kind of threw <laughs> everything into uh, uh just all up in the air, but we brought back girls uh, second season in, uh, in 2021. And, you know, for those who do want more baseball or softball, there is that opportunity in August. It also provides opportunities for those who couldn't play in the regular season. Maybe they're doing soccer or some other sport. Maybe they moved to the area. Maybe they had injuries that prevented them from playing the regular season, or maybe it's just for more who want to develop their skills and, and get more repetitions. Uh, we once had a, a fall ball or a third season, we called it an S3. Uh, we call our second season S2. I never wanted anybody to play all three seasons, regular season, second season, uh, fall ball. Uh, it just, it's too much. You need a break, uh, you know, play first and third season, second and third, first and second. Just don't play all three. Right. Your body needs a break. Uh, you need to be around different um you just need a break. The The other thing with that is um, 
you know, we don't want to repeat teams in the second season. We don't ha- want to have the regular season teams continue on with the second season. The best athletes, the best people are going to be around different players, different parents, get different coaching. I think as an athlete, the more you can get from more coaching, uh, both good and bad is going to make you into a more successful athlete and, you know, potentially a, a coach down the road too. Um, I can vouch firsthand for, for your S2 season. My son, Owen, um, it's been several years now, it, it, uh, went through that program. And that was looking back on, on all my kids' uh, athletic experience through their growing up years. That, that was one of the highlights was that that actual season. He had a great coach. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, games were played at USA, like we talked about, on nice fields. It was, uh, it was a really fun experience. Yeah, you know, recently we've had our second season out at Palisades Park and Fox Crossing. Um, it gives us the opportunity to to play on skin in fields. Um, we have three fields there, so we could do six games in the evening. Uh, at USA, we're limited with two fields, and in one being a grass field, we we can't play girls softball on it or any rookie or any t-ball on it as well so that's kind of one of the reasons we're we're exploring artificial turf for the infields at usa mm-hmm. um, when we get a third field there uh, and ultimately a fourth you know i think doing artificial turf infields at the at that time would uh, would be a good benefit so yeah you know second season it gives kids an opportunity to to pitch who may have never pitched uh, gives you know kids an opportunity who might not have a parent as a coach to play shortstop. Uh, you know, it, it just provides a lot of different opportunities. We don't want um, kids pitching, you know, playing the same positions the whole game in second season. Uh, you know, and, and just like regular season, we have continuous batting orders as well. We, you know, we don't uh, just bat the top nine and have players sit the bench. So. You know, the we really focus regular season and second season with with everybody playing a considerable amount of time. Sure. Now, what what do families need to keep in mind when it comes to the calendar? When, when does registration start for all of this? Uh, what should be the, what should they yeah. be aware of? So registration, we 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 strive to get it open beginning of December. Uh, I think we're targeting first Monday of December to open that up. Uh, registration periods run through uh, pretty much mid-February or so for minor, major, uh, mid-March typically for um, for rookie and, and t-ball, maybe a little bit later. We're, we haven't really nailed those down yet. Um, but yeah, we, we, we hope to offer some off-season camps and clinics for, for players of all levels. We look to do a lot of coaching clinics. Um, this off season and just get back to more of normal uh going back to the covid year of 2020 you know our i call it our irregular regular season we had typically we play in in may and june and that that year we had a regular season very limited very different but in july and august and it, it that season trying to put that together took so much energy out of our board of directors all volunteer board by the way sure uh, about 25 individuals. Um, you know, t- it, we had a lot of energy taken out of us then. Of course, even spring of 2021 was, was um, the COVID numbers were high. We ended up having outdoor tryouts in April for the first time in 
ever or a long time as far as I know. Uh, we lucked out with a 72 degree April day for tryouts that year. And then the very next day it is 35 degrees. Nice. So <laughs> you just never know. But, you know, we got off to a late start in 2021. And, you know, this this past year was was um, just trying to get back to normal. Um, you know, we brought back opening day this year um, and we hope to do, you know, bigger and better next year. Yeah, it was a weird time, wasn't it? A lot, a lot of things changed. I mean, we, we experienced it with the Red Smith Banquet, and Tash and I have talked about it a little bit. But, yeah, that kind of, you know, hurt the banquet. I know it hurt a lot of programs. People are rebuilding. You know, I guess one of the good things is the NUSA yeah. cast came out of that. So here, here we are. Well, and it's changed a lot of things. You know, I think a lot of, um, especially school-age kids, have gotten used to you know, being stuck in their bedrooms, being stuck behind screens. That's how they were doing uh, right. education for a while. Um, you know, and, and I think it, um, a, a lot of sports were, were limited or some eliminated during 2020 and, and bringing those back has, has been a challenge and, and getting uh, kids to participate is, has been a challenge after that. So. How how have your numbers? Would you say you're behind uh, what what you were before COVID as far as numbers? I think we're we're pretty level set with where we are for COVID. Uh, even during the COVID year, while we lost a lot of players during that season for uh, whatever reasons that people had, you know, mainly health. Uh, I think we gained a lot of players during that season as well uh, for some other programs that didn't offer. You know, we. And it wasn't something we just decided to do that year either. It wasn't, you know, just flip a coin, do we play or not play? We had, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of, of discussions and working with health departments and everything else. Uh, you know, unlike football or wrestling or basketball, you know, you can't get much more socially distant than baseball or right. softball. Maybe golf. Um, so, you know, we, yeah, you know, we did it in a way that made it work. We had smaller teams. We spread people out in the dugouts. We had fans, you know, lined up all up and down the the uh, fence lines as, as opposed to congregating in, in one area in the stands. So, um, yeah, numbers-wise, we're, we're pretty level set, um, you know, but I think numbers in a lot of youth sports are, are down. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of competition uh, for baseball and softball with travel teams that want the players during the, during the Monday through Thursday time frame now. Uh, there's – you know, a lot of other sports out there. Soccer is big. Lacrosse is growing. You know sure. that. Mm -hmm. uh, being very involved with that. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there, um, but you know, one thing we focus on with Afton Little League is definitely the the community aspect of it. Yeah. You know, you're going to be playing with classmates, with and against classmates. Uh, the teams will never have teams, you know, that are the Brewers, the Braves, the Cubs. You know, we have teams that are sponsored by local businesses that have been around for a long time. JD's Drive-In, Tom's Drive-In, uh, American Overhead Door. I mean, uh, there's just the so many businesses that have been around for, yeah, firefighters, Appleton Police. Yeah. Um, you know, just so many businesses and so many parts of the community that, you know, we want to keep uh, within our program. I, I think it's important for uh, this community-based organization to be supported by the community. Yeah. You know, we, we could buy shirts and jerseys from anywhere.com and it's like, you know, no, we're going to, we're going to support local businesses. 
Well, I think it's maybe your program might do it the best out of every, you know, youth sports program is just that community feel, that community aspect. You're right. I mean, I can't go to a Tom's drive-in without thinking about Little League or, you know, vice versa. It's just, it's it's stitched into the fabric, and it, literally into the shirts, you know, and the, the firefighters, yeah. police department. I mean, these these programs have been around as, it, you know, when I played Little League, for, you know, going on 40 years ago. So it's, that yeah. that's pretty cool to see and, and. You know, it's it's exactly what we're looking for in the Nusa cast is just to kind of kind of wake people up to say, hey, that's Little League. It's, it, it doesn't get any more community than, than Little League. And we want to kind of tell that story a little bit and, and make people aware. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, it was a pleasure to have you. You know, like I said, we're going to have you back on, um, uh, you know, maybe after the holidays, maybe in February or, or March as, as we kind of ramp up to the season. You can tell us the plans for opening day. No, it's good catching up with you, Joe. And I think, you know, the thing we're looking for, you know, always is volunteers. Yeah. You know, we cannot run this without all of our terrific volunteers. But, you know, the more volunteers we get doing this, um, you know, the less less work it is for the the few that are here. Yeah. It's great to talk a little baseball with you. That's for sure. Now, here's an interview Tosh and I had with Rick Caviani of Caviani Baseball Training. He has two baseball facilities located in this area, an indoor facility in Little Chute and an outdoor facility located at USA Youth Sports Complex. And we dig deep into youth baseball, what kind of training Rick does, and his philosophy on how to coach kids. Sit back and enjoy the interview. Well, it's cool to see what you're doing as well. I mean, you're so how long has your indoor facility been up over a year now? Oh, we no, um, it, it was supposed to be open, um, Thanksgiving of last year, um, but we really didn't get open until mid March. Um, and I didn't, I actually didn't get full occupancy until about July. Um, but <laughs> by uh, the good graces of the the state inspector, he let us get in there um, by by March, and we we still I still didn't even have siding on the building. It was just OSB on the on the outside, and um, he was he was awesome to work with. Um, but we needed to get in there. We needed to get some winter practices going, and um, so we were in there. <laughs> we didn't have a parking lot. It was it was mud um just osb on the side of the building it was it was a a very challenging year i'll say <laughs> but uh the, the building's basically done we got a i'm putting some new front doors on it here in the next couple of weeks and we're doing like a little canopy uh roof over the front doors uh, and then by then we'll we'll be completely done um but it's been a good two two and a half year process from yeah. from the start to the finish so it's it's been it's been challenging. I'll, I'll bet. My son was in there not for baseball. He was in there for lacrosse in the spring. Lacrosse, yeah, yeah. So he practiced there. Yeah. And you're right. It was a it was a mud parking lot. It was uh, nothing on the outside, but beautiful facility inside uh, for, for yeah. you know for multiple sports, especially baseball, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was a it's a very nice facility. You guys, you should be proud of definitely proud of that. Yeah, certainly. It was, it's everything that I, that I envisioned. I, I wanted a space 
that was open. Um, you know, there was, there were some spaces that I looked at through the community that, you know, we could have, you know, bought or rented and they all had poles in the middle of them and, and things like that. And I just, I wanted an open space where, where you can throw a ball and you can hit ground balls and, um, just building, building my own was just, it was the way to go. Um, so, and it's, it's versatile, you know, with our nets, you've, if you've been in there, we've got the the nets that can slide. Mm -hmm. So the whole place can get, it can get opened up. I actually just put a basketball hoop in there. (laughs) Um, so we, we've got some basketball uh, potential in there. My son who's eight, um, he, he shoots all day long. So (laughs) I kind of put it in, put it in there for him, but I've got some things in the back of my mind to, to do some basketball stuff. I loved basketball growing up myself. I would, until about eighth grade, that was probably my favorite sport until I realized I wasn't going to, um, you know, go to a high level doing that. Um, but yeah, the, the facility is, it, it, it worked out exactly how I was in, intended it to be. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it's, it, we're, we're very blessed and our players, the main reason I wanted to do it was for our players. So, you know, our players have a, you know, there's a code on the door. They can go in and access it whenever they want oh. um, because there's only so much we can do in our practices and, you know, to get to the levels that some of our boys want to get to it, it's, it's a five, six, seven day a week thing. So this facility gives them year round ability to get in there, use the weight room hit. We've got a hit track system in there. Um, we've, uh, I use a thing called pitch logic, which is it's technology inside a baseball that can track their yep. throws and velocities and, and all that good stuff. So that that's, that's all available to them, um, to use, uh, in the facility. So it's, it's been my vision and we're almost at the finish line here with it. So how many, uh, players do you have right now? It's just over 200. Um, that's including, uh, practice players. So we've got, this year we're going to have 11 teams. Um, and then we've got, I'm trying to think the exact numbers, I think between all the age groups with practice players. So our practice players are kids that don't play on our teams. They just, they, they practice their skills with us over the winter. Um, I think there's about 47 of those. Um, so it's, it's in roughly 205 to 210 players is where, where we're at between full-time and practice players. So, um, which is, it's basically right in that, um, right in that range that I want to be. I I don't want to get too big. I I tell everyone, you know, that comes in or parents that come and sit down in my office with me, you know, if I'm walking through the grocery store and, and a kid, I see a kid with my hat on, you know, the CB hat on or the CBT hat on, and I don't know who that kid is. That's a, that's a major problem. Um, and you know, I've got 200 kids. I know all of them. If every kid walked past my door, I'd know his, I know his name. I know where he's from. I know his parents' names. Um, but if I had another hundred or 200 or 300, (laughs) um, I, I I honestly could say that I I don't know if I'd know everyone. Um, so it's one of those things I'm not trying to sell cell phones. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a different, kind of business. You know, I, I, I do want to get to know all my players. Um, so, you know, so I can know what makes them tick yep. and, and just get to know them beneath the surface. Um, and that's one of the reasons I, I went into coaching. I, I don't want to just, 
you know, like an assembly line where kids just come in and they, they go, I, I want it to be a little bit more, a little bit more personal. Rick, if, if we could just uh, real quickly go back to your facility, I see there's, there's a balcony in there. What uh, do you have parents that hang out there? What, uh, yeah. what do you use it for? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's what I wanted it for. I, I like when parents um, stick around. Uh, so it's a viewing area. So one part of it is a, is a player lounge. So I've got some couches up there. I've got a TV. Um, we've got a, a PlayStation five up there. Um, it's honestly, it, it's for team camaraderie. Um, last year, a lot of our boys on Friday nights, they just go in the facility and they sure. just hang out. You know, some boys will be up watching movies. They'll be playing, playing video games. And then some boys will be down, hitting in the hit tracks or they'll be playing catch or some, some nights they're playing kickball um, down on the turf. So it was my, my vision with that space up there was give the boys an area to just hang out, you know, whether it's before or after practice um, where they can come in on a Saturday, on a Friday night and just, just hang out. Um, you know, the boys have, have gone there and ordered pizzas and just, just hung out on a Friday night. And that, that's exactly what I envisioned sure. it for. Um, but then the other side is just more it's there's tables and seating, you know, for parents to come in and hang out. Parents can bring their laptops, you know, they can, they can work on their laptops. Uh, you know, they, we have free Wi-Fi there for, for them. Yeah. And up there, we also have, <clears throat> um, it's like our alumni wall. We're all like our plaques where some of our players have, well, I guess where all of our players have gone on and committed to play college ball and, and professional ball. So um, there's, there's more things that, I'm thinking about doing up there, adding some more um, workout um, things and, and stuff like that. But uh, I'm trying to take it one piece at a time. Well, it's quite a start. It looks great. One of the things I've noticed coming through already is you really haven't even talked about baseball yet. You've talked about growing a person um, and, you know, reading some of the things that you have on your website, that seems to be an important part of what you are and what you want to bring to the kids. If you could touch on that a little bit, that'd be awesome. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, people ask me, you know, do you throughout the years, I'll be 40 years old next week, <laughs> which is, <laughs> is scary. Um, but people say, you know, what do you miss about your playing days? And as, and, and I, and I hated driving, you know, I hated, you know, the bus rides, you know, we would bus rides from, I played at UWM yeah. Milwaukee and we would have bus rides to Youngstown state to Oklahoma state to Texas to, I mean, <laughs> those were the, those were the times I, I miss the most okay. now, you know, is, is times with your buddies and, and, and things like that. And just enjoying each other. Um, and you know, you look, you look back at those times and those are the guys that you're still friends with today. You're, you, you go, you, you know, you're at those guys' weddings and what's cool too now that I've been coaching for so long, I go to my, my former players weddings <laughs> and um, it's, it's really cool to see it come for, full circle. I have two 12 U teams. So there's 24 players and it'll, it'll be lucky if half of those kids go all the way through and play college baseball. Right. So, you know, I, I want people to find value, um, you know, whether they play here for one year, two years, three years. Um, I want them to find value uh, beyond just how to hit a baseball because a lot of people can teach how to hit a baseball, how to grip a four seamer, how to throw a change up, but it, it just goes beyond that. And I, it kind of goes back to the, the model that I've decided to do, you know, with my program to keep it 
where I'm at. I was with a, a, another organization beforehand and we got, we got to a point where it was just too big. Um, and I didn't like that. It just got to be, um, very just impersonal sure. uh, and it just wasn't what I was looking for as a coach. Um, and, and I just decided to do it my own way. And, and it's, it seems to be working out so far. Yeah. I, I think I see a lot of organizations becoming more like factories and just pumping yeah. out the same type of player. But you, I, what I like about what you're saying is you're really, I mean, if my kids played, played baseball, I, I would be sending them to you because you're really talking about growing the individual and the baseball will come, like you said, but to be able to make that connection with the individual and help them grow as a person, that's a huge piece. And I think a piece we're missing in a lot of youth sports right now. For sure. I, you know, and I, I'm not going to say anything about anybody else, but it's just, it's, it's the way that I've, I've decided to do it. And there's others that, that do it differently. And, and I understand why they do it that way. You know, I, I've, I've, I've gone to several banks, you know, through, through the, for the building, um, a lot, basically everyone said no. Um, I also, I also turfed my outdoor field, um, over at USA youth sports complex, which was a whole nother, I mean, that was, that took years off, off of my life just to get that, <laughs> get that done. Um, and I, I get why other other programs do what they do. It's just it's not it's not my bag, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. um, you know, when you cut people, it's it's it, you're you're saying no to to money. Um, yeah. And it's never been about that for me. It never will be. Um, for me, it was about it was about my time. Uh, it was about my freedom. Um, it was about uh, I, I wanted to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife, my wife, bless her soul. She's, she's our breadwinner and um, she allows me to do this. So uh, you're doing it the right way. If we go back right. to your beginning of, of baseball, you played for the late, great Bruce Erickson, didn't you at, at Appleton North? I did. I did so much. I, I, I would say so much of what um, I do as a coach is, is modeled after him. Um, he, uh, he did so much for me uh, as, you know, he taught me how to be a man. He taught me, you know, uh, uh, accountability. Um, he was, he was as good as it gets. I mean, he won 82% of his games over 30 plus years coaching, um, which is, I mean, if anyone knows baseball, if you win 55% of your games, you're good. 60% yeah. of your games, you're a hall of famer. He won 82% of his games. I mean, it's, it's Absolutely. legendary. Yeah. I mean, Tosh and I are, are 88 grads of, of Appleton yeah. West, and Bruce was, was a longtime coach oh, there. Hey, so I mean, we've, we've known well, him a long time. In fact, you know oh, exactly what I'm talking He's just legendary. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so good. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, don't, I guess you yeah. can't really do that these days. You know, have... No, it, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You know, he, he was a, uh, an amazing, amazing person. And when I, I was, I coached with uh, Corey Krieger at Lawrence university. And when we yeah. started, we were all, we pretty young. I mean, Corey was only like 25. I was the old man at 29 and he would sit down and go to breakfast with us and just tell us why teams were beating up on us and, you know, being blunt with us and telling us what's going on. And, you know, those are the times that besides playing, those are the times that uh, I really got to know him better. And man, you're right. He He's one of a kind. He, 
he was, yeah, just an amazing person. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ironic, you know, with Bobby Knight passing last night, he's, he's very much in that, you know, maybe, maybe not to that extreme, but he was in that mold. You know, he, he told you like it was, um, you know, a lot of people didn't like him for it. Um, and and sometimes rightfully so, but you know, I, I would have taken a bullet for the guy. (laughs) I mean, you know, he, he just always told, he told you the truth. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a player, you know, as a player that wanted to get better, that wanted to be the best that I wanted to be. I mean, you you know, you're sitting there at night and you're mad at him and you're brushing your teeth and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, dang it. You know, he was, he was right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you want to be right, but you you just know that he's right. And, and he was just, he, he's, he was just so good. He was a master psychologist. Yeah. I mean, he, he really was. Bobby Knight v. Bruce Erickson. Where does Vegas have those odds? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would. I'd pay a lot of money to see those two. Oh, in a, that would be epic. In some, some it would be. Oh. Put them in the Roman Coliseum <laughs> and just let them go. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, Bruce was, he was by far my, you know, the biggest influence I yeah. had. I was reading your bio a little bit uh, <laughs> on, on your website, uh, Caviati baseball training and you talk about playing in the Northwoods league a little bit then uh even getting the saves record one year that that had to be quite the experience it was awesome I played in that league for three years my second year there I had a really good year towards the end of this uh kind of a, a story that I tell all my players too um the first time that I was um in my opinion not the best pitcher on my team was when I went to the Northwoods League, I, I I was picked up late um, by the Mankato Mankato Moon Dogs. A uh, guy got hurt, so I'm I'm literally the 12th pitcher on the team. You know, I they kind of called me, and it's like a Wednesday morning, and they're like, "Hey, we need a guy tonight to pitch in Alexandria, Minnesota." So my parents got me in the car, and we drove to Alexandria, Minnesota, and I pitched that night and um, did okay. And um, basically, then I they went in the bullpen and. My, my job, my goal that the rest of that year was to like, I was the 12th guy, then I wanted to beat the 11th guy. But anyways, I remember getting to Alexandria, Minnesota. This is my first time I ever doubted myself as a baseball player, but I get there. They already had my name on the, uh, like the roster sheet that, you know, the, they hand out to all the people and I'll never forget looking at the rosters. And this is before the Northwoods League is huge now. Yeah. There's 28 teams or whatever. But then I think it was eight eight or 10 teams. So it was like, it was the cream of the crop. Um, you know, I played against Max Scherzer and Ben Zobrist and guys like that. Um, and so I get in this league and I, I remember reading our roster on my team and it was all these guys it was like UCLA, uh, Florida state, Texas tech, uh, Baylor. And then I was at the bottom of the list and it said, Rick Caviani, 5'10", 200 pounds, right-handed pitcher, Madison Area Technical <laughs> College. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? And uh, it was it was humbling. Um, but, but I tell the boys, you know, I, I went from that moment. And then, you know, you fast forward, you know, a year or 14 months. I set the league saves record. Uh, you know, I gave up two runs the entire summer. Save save 19 games out of 20 games. And my stats that year were better than Max Scherzer's, wow. which which is silly to even think about because he's so much more talented than I am. 
or ever ever could even think. But um, I, I had a great experience uh, in that league. I I would go and do it again. It, it's basically playing a professional baseball. You're just not getting paid for it. And you, you play every day. You're on a bus and traveling up to Thunder Bay, Canada, down to 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 Iowa and everywhere in between. It was it was a blast. But um, yeah, I, I tell all my players if you're if you're the you know the tenth guy on the roster, you know your your goal in two weeks is to to be the ninth man, then yeah. the eighth man, and then so by the end of that year uh, with the Moon Dogs, like my ERA was five, and I got it down to four, and I think the to the high threes, and then. I think my last 12 guys I faced that summer, I struck out. Wow. And then I just kept getting better. And then the, the, the Woodchucks coach was an assistant coach at Madison College, and he had, he had seen my stats. And then in the fall, I was throwing really well. And he goes, hey, would you like to pitch for the Woodchucks? The Woodchucks won the league that year. They had Ben Zobrist and everything. And I'm like, yeah, my, my parents have a campsite about 20 minutes from Wausau. So I signed with with the Woodchucks, and that that's the year I I uh, uh, got the uh, saves record. And the other, I tell everyone, when you get your opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. So Clayton Hansen, the previous year, was the Woodchucks closer, and the only reason I got the closing job is they had to they thrust me into it because he was in the College World Series in Omaha <laughs> with the University of Texas. Yep. He played for Augie Garrido at Texas. So they're like, well, we need a closer for about a week until Clayton gets gets back from the College World Series. And by that time, I was, you know, four for four in saves with no runs given up. And they're like, well, let's just keep Rick there. And then Clayton was actually the the setup guy. So <laughs> um, when you get your opportunities, take advantage of it yep. and don't 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 relinquish it. But I, I can tell you, I can tell you honestly, Clayton was a lot better than I was. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just performed really well. Uh, you know, he was six, four through, through 90, 94, 95 miles an hour. And I threw 88. <laughs> I just, I just threw a lot of strikes. So during this time with, with your hopes of trying to, you know, get to the big leagues, I'm sure. Are you also thinking about and, and kind of dreaming about what you're doing now that, that you want to teach kids baseball, that baseball is going to be a part of your life somehow, some way? No, 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 never. So I never thought I was going to coach ever. Um, so the, the Northwoods League, the that year I, I made it to the Northwoods League All-Star Game. And I was pitching. I was slated to pitch the ninth inning. We hosted the All-Star Game that year in Wausau um, at uh, Athletic Park. And I'll never forget this because I was – this was this was my first, first realization that I wasn't going to, like, make it far or get drafted or anything like that but i'm warming up in the eighth inning and lo and behold guess who's pitching in the eighth inning it's max scherzer (laughs) so max scherzer played at the university of missouri he threw that so at the stadium on the scoreboards you can see all the velocities every time a guy threw a pitch so i'm in the i'm in the bullpen and i'm warming up and tony daniel was my catcher he was catching me in the bullpen tony played at creighton um, st- still a friend of mine and I'm looking up and you can see, you know, we're all the way down the line, but I, you can just see, I mean, 98 is just like, it's just a different gear, you know, I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. And, and so there's, you're talking 300, 350 major league scouts there. So every pitch oh. of that game, there's radar guns 
going up. And uh, so I'm looking up, I'm like 98. I'm like, I'm warming up. You know, I like my fast fastball was like 88. I'm like, Tony, I'm like, I literally, I'm warm. I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to fake an injury. I'm like, I, I can't go in after this. Like how embarrassing is that going to be? He goes, dude, you got to go in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tony is catching me in the ninth inning. And I said, Tony, you know, this first fastball, I'm going to, I'm going to let it fly. So just, just be, you know, my control was my strength, but I'm like, I don't know where this first one's going to go. And I, th- I literally threw it so hard. I don't <laughs> like my arm felt like it was going to fly off my body. And I, as I caught the ball, I peeked back up at the, at the radar gun in the outfield and it was 88, <laughs> but by this time, so it's, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth inning. It's 1145 at night. And as I'm pitching, I'm throwing, you know, I, I got three outs and as I'm pitching, all the scouts are leaving. They all left at this time. I'm like 10 for 10 in saves. Hadn't give up, haven't given up a run and everyone's leaving. And my, my dad, my dad's awesome. He's a huge baseball guy. And he was sitting up there and nobody, like, I think he said one guy's like, yeah, yeah, like ah, this guy's 5'10", right-handed, throws 88. Like we basically we want nothing to do with this guy. So and like my dad's like, well, what about his, have you seen his stats? And it just, and I get it. It, yeah. it, it prof, professional baseball is, it's, it's a lot about potential and, and stuff like that. So, but, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm finishing the inning. I was literally in tears on the mound because it was like my first realization. I'm like, I got to start thinking about what I'm going to do when I'm done playing. (laughs) Because by that time I would, I would, I was going into my junior year and I'm like, man, I, I mean, Max Scherzer is, I mean, he's just so talented. It, it, it's just on such a different wavelength of where I was at ability wise. Um, And then it was so cool. It was one of the, my cool moments with my dad and, you know, he was, he always had huge, you know, like, like any dad with his son, they have, they have huge, huge dreams for you. And I remember him coming in and he, you know, he had tears in his eyes and he, he, he came in with a, with a big beer and we just, we sat in the clubhouse for, for several hours and just kind of hung out, you know, just, just the two of us. So that, that was kind of a, it, even though it was a, it was a tough moment. It was a pretty cool moment in, in the same, in the same sentence. So what a great story. What a great moment. Yeah, it, it was pretty neat. Um, but then, you know, as far as coaching, um, I never redshirted. So I, I wasn't a gifted um, academic person. <laughs> so <laughs> if it wasn't for baseball, I would have never have gone to college, uh, to be honest. So um, I went to college to play baseball and then um, ended up getting a degree. Uh, I, I, I stuck it out, uh, but I never redshirted. So luckily the um, scholarships are five years. Okay. So I used I used my my fifth year to get my scholarship, um, and and so I didn't redshirt, so I was done after four years. So I had another year of school. So a guy that was coaching at MSOE Milwaukee School of Engineering was a former Milwaukee player, and um, he had talked to the staff, and they're like, um, "Do you you know he he needed a pitching coach?" And they talked to you know the staff there, Duffick and. Um, they just kind of referenced my name and he called me. I'm like, I like, sure, I guess I, I, I'm like, I I don't really have much, much else going on besides going to school. So 
I think I made a thousand bucks, 500 bucks a semester. I lost a lot of money because I lived on campus and practices were out in New Berlin West High School. So I had to drive out and um, lost a lot of money, but it was a, such an amazing experience. I actually, I was 22 years old. I think three of the three of the boys on the staff were 23 and one of them was 25. Uh, you know, they were MSOE guys, you know, really, really smart <laughs> academic yeah. kids. But it was really cool because how they respected me. Um, they respected my baseball knowledge. They respected me, you know, just as, as a person. And we did really well. Like our, our, the staff ERA from the previous year, we, we cut it like by a point and a, or a run and a half and boys, uh, it, I just got great feedback. And, and I, that's when I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I could, I could be pretty good at this or may, you know, turn this into some sort of a, of a job or a living, um, and that, that's kind of what happened. And I was just there for one year and then I moved back to Appleton. I, 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 I worked at Shields for, for about two and a half years. And while I was doing that, I did a ton of baseball lessons out at Players' Choice. My, my clientele grew really fast. Uh, and then I jumped on actually with Corey for, for a number of years, uh, almost eight years. I was yeah. with him with uh, Panther Baseball um, and we grew it. Uh, just, it was awesome. Uh, um, Corey's, uh, you know, Corey, he's, his personality is just second to none. Yeah. He's, he's, he's funny, uh, charismatic. And we, we just built a really great fun program. And then it just got to a point. I had my, my second, uh, baby, my, my daughter Kaylee was born in 2017 and I was just working a lot and a lot of nights and weekends. And my wife needed some help at home. And I actually got into teaching. I was, uh, uh, I went into uh, elementary school special ed slash super sub. So I was in Nina and then Appleton, which, which is now Dunlap Elementary School by Appleton West. Um, did that for two years while I started CBT. Yep. Um, and that was 20, 2017, 2018. And <laughs> now we're, now my wife and I are in, you know, 2000 or $2 million in debt. And here we are. <laughs> so it, it happened. It happened pretty fast. It sounds like you have a lot of a, I mean, where your passion comes from is obviously baseball, but again, you keep coming back and I keep hearing that, you know, growing and respect. And it's, it's not just all about baseball. You talked about the respect you receive from the coaches and you continue to bring up that theme. And, um, I, 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 again, it's just super refreshing to hear that it's not just about baseball. It's about growing individuals who are going to be productive kids and productive young men outside of the baseball field. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it takes me back to Bruce Erickson. You know, when, when I think of Bruce, I don't think about him, you know, teaching me how to hit. I don't think about him exactly. teaching me how to field a no ball. That's, I mean, that, that's not even in the back of my mind. It's, it's how he, you know, it's, it's about how you go about your business. It's how you go about, um, you know, shaking somebody's hand you know, looking somebody in the eye, um, you know, that's as, as crazy as it sounds, it's, it's becoming, um, <laughs> obsolete. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, kids, kids these days don't have confidence, you know, right. you know, you, I go every time a, a kid comes into my office, I make sure that I reach out my hand to shake their hand and, you know, heads go down and they don't shake your hands. And I, 
talk about it. And the first thing I say, and it's so cool too, because the parents are like, thank you. And so, but sometimes I say to the parents, I say, you have to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, so we're, it, it, it's a two, you know, two way road. Um, but you know, our, our kids are struggling mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I, I think God, God has given me the, the unique ability to, to speak out. <laughs> you know, I, I have a, I think I have a loud voice. I'm somebody that, that, that doesn't mind people not liking them. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm, I have a very thick skin. Um, I, I come from a family that, that is, that is like that. We're very comfortable in our own skin and, um, it's, it's helped me in my career. I, I think people, some, some people gravitate, gravitate towards me because of that. Some people don't. Um, and that's okay. Uh, that's okay. But, um, I, I, I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons and I, I, I sleep, sleep pretty well. At that's night. a good skill to be able to, uh, to understand yourself, right? You, you know who you are and you, and you just go about business doing it that way. That that's, at the end of the day, that's that's the best way to go about life. I think. Yeah, it's you know being authentic is is uh, important these days. I think there's a lot of um, you know we we call them keyboard warriors and a lot of people that you know uh, sit behind screens and stuff like right. that. Um, you know we're, we're trying to we're trying to teach kids to a little bit of that old school. You know, <laughs> shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye, have conversations right. with them. Um, you know, and those kids, you know, if they don't make it to pro baseball, you know, with, with how, with how increasingly, um, you know, less that's becoming with kids, you know, those kids that are able to do that, think about those sales jobs, you know, that, that, or that kid that shakes that hand and looks them in the eye. There's not as many of those these days. So you become much more sought out, um, and, and you can, you can have a pretty successful career just by doing those things. Uh, th- those things it's go It's amazing a long you way. say that. that. That's the exact message I teach my kids as well, is the skills. Because honestly, I, I was never – there's a lot of disillusional parents out there. You know, I mean, you, you got about as close to playing professional baseball as you possibly could, and it was a really, really hard road. My kids never were going to play professional sports, but I want them to learn the lessons that you just talked about, what Tosh has been talking about. I mean, at the end of the that that's really as parents, that's really what I I believe what you should want for your kids. And and not be just, you know, like you said, point what? Zero, 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 zero point one percent of the kids ever make a professional contract, let alone the big leagues. You know, it's just basically nobody does that. Less less than one percent of high school baseball players get a Division One baseball yeah. scholarship. Yeah, less than one percent. Right. <laughs> it it caveani baseball. How are the parents? I mean, parents are paying a you know a, a decent amount of money to, to play baseball. I, you know, it's great value in the fact that they're they're getting great lessons. They're they're the environment, all of that. But you know, from a parent's perspective, it's it's a bill that they have to pay. Sometimes some of them feel a little bit entitled because they're they're writing that check. How, how are the parents? Are are you? Is that something that you actively have to address? What is your take on the parents? I guess it's a delicate subject. I know. Yeah, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job here. You know, laying out, you know, what our expectations are. But every you know every year there's there's going to be one or two. Um, you know, ten years ago it was it was it was actually worse. Ten years ago. 
as, as far as my individual dealings with it, uh, maybe because we got a little bit too big. Um, but, but really it, it hasn't been all that bad. You know, we have people leave every year. Um, but usually we have more people that come every year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't stress about it. Um, you know, you know, I, I, I like to sit down with people in my desk and, and, and have conversations with them. Um, but you know, it, it's, you know, with my program, we, we, you know, we talk about, we have the, we have this thing called hashtag hit, um, you know, obviously hit for baseball, but it's, it's humility and integrity and toughness. And, and the toughness can be, you know, mental, emotional, uh, physical, all that kind of stuff. But it, you know, it, it, that's in regards to parents too. And the humility aspect of it, the reason why I, I chose H as the first one, the humility is, and, it, and it's hard in this, in this setting because people are paying, you know, and they're paying, you know, premium money for this. So when you pay premium money, you know, it's the tendency is like, you're all about you and you're all about your son. And, but what we ask people is to take the opposite approach is to take that humble approach and think about others before ourselves. And, and every year you're going to run into one or two or three that, you know, they don't, they don't take that approach. And usually we don't ask um, those people back or they, or they don't just, they, they don't come back on their own and, and that's okay. Um, And then we, we try to find some other people that, that fit that, that, that style that, that, that we do and that we ask. Um, But, you know, like anything else, people are going to come, people are going to go and, and, and it's okay. It's, it's, it's not something that I lose sleep over anymore. It it used to. It, it, it just doesn't right, bother me. Right. Anymore. No, that, that's great. That, that's great. Hopefully that whole situation is, is correcting itself a, a little bit. It, it's it, at times it gets out of hand in, in, in certain sports. And but like you said, I think at the end, really, it is only the, that, that one or two percent or one or two really parents that, that make it miserable for everybody yeah. else. Yeah, it's it's really not. It's really not a high percentage. Okay. It, it really isn't. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, that that one or two percent you know, it, it, it feels like it's more, but it, it's really not because, because that one or 2% can like, it, it can bog you down um, only if you let it. And, and I've, I've learned to not let it anymore. And it's my 20th year in coaching. This will be my 15th year in club baseball, wow. you know? So I've, I, I, <laughs> I like to think I've seen it all, you know, I, I haven't. Um, but uh, I'm actually the second longest tenured club baseball guy in the state. The only guy wow. that, has been doing it longer than me now as RJ Fergus down with the hitters in Racine and Kenosha. So um, I, I've been around a while. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of used to it. Um, and you just kind of let it, you kind of just let it roll off your shoulders. How are the numbers in, in club baseball? Would you say overall, are they, I know they ebb and flow through the years. <laughs> they're, they're huge. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're huge. Uh, it, it's definitely grown. You know, when we, when I should say when Corey started Panthers in 2009, uh, I came on the following year. We had, there was there was three teams, and then we grew it to six, and then we got it all the way up to 24, I believe. When we started, we were the basically the second one in the state, um, and then by 20, 2012, there was probably eight or nine. Now there's 30, yeah, probably you know 35. Um, you know, out of those 35, there's probably, you know, 15 legitimate ones with, you know, facilities and things mm-hmm. like that. But, but yeah, I mean, the numbers are, are huge. Uh, it's, 
it's definitely big business uh, and you can, you can make money doing it uh, for sure. Um, but it's, it's not the route that, that I'm looking to take. Obviously we need to make money here. We need to pay for our, our building. We need to pay for our turf. And obviously we, we got to pay for our coaches and stuff like that, but that is not um, our main intention. Certainly. So player comes in, let's say, you know, at this time of year, what does it look like? for a player for practicing and, you know, give us like a little progression. Yeah. So right now uh, we're kind of in our, our dull period um, basically from like the middle of August, uh, October until Thanksgiving, we don't schedule anything. So, you know, s- some programs promote that, that they practice year round. I would never do that. Like major league players don't play and practice year round. It's very bad for your body. It's bad for your mind. It's bad for your arms. Yep. Um, I also do it for myself, for my coaches, so we can get away. Um, we we kind of, this is our time of year where we hit the reset button, so to speak. Um, but we start um, our winter practices the week after Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, and then we are like our high school kids go at least twice a week, all the way through the second week in March. And then they go back to high school practices. And then we start with the 14 you and under um, a lot once the high school kids go back to high school practice in March. The 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 14 you and under also start right right after Thanksgiving, but they're it's like once a week. And okay. then we kind of progress them as we go because so many of the younger kids play multiple sports. We want all of our kids to play multiple sports. The only time I've ever asked or suggested a kid not to play another sport is if he would be a sophomore, junior, or senior in in, in high school and he was a potential scholarship baseball player and he was playing three. Yeah. And I would tell him, Hey, at this point, you probably gotta, you gotta get rid of one and play two focus on two so that you have one of those other off seasons to train, to either play, you know, fall baseball or to, to train for baseball in the winter. Yeah. Like for example, if you're a lot of kids are baseball, basketball, football, so if you were baseball, basketball, then you could play fall baseball. If you were baseball, football, then you could play, play football. And then you'd have all winter long to train yeah. for your baseball to get ready. So I've seen it work both of those ways. It is really difficult this day and age to play all three and, and still get a baseball scholarship. I'm not saying it's not impossible because there's some kids that are just very blessed. Right. Um, uh, but it, but it is, it is difficult. Um, you know, we have, I have kids that at 12 or 13, just play baseball. I don't, I don't suggest them to do that. I don't think it's healthy to do that. Um, but sometimes it's people's own decisions. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy. Um, but yeah, we like to have all of our kids play multiple sports. We've got a lot of wrestlers, hockey players, basketball kids. Um, and I tell them in the winter, that's priority. Uh, so whenever we have a baseball practice, if it's, if you don't have your winter sport and you can make it come, if you can't, that's fine. Okay. Um, we just ask that, you know, if there's a, a tournament and a practice, you know, in April, May, and June, you know, that were the priority, right? That, that That's all that we ask. So actual games, mm-hmm. I know you see the facility at USA, you have your indoor facility. Um, and then obviously a whole bunch of facilities around the Midwest. So how many games are these kids playing? Uh, how, how much travel is really involved? It depends on the age group. You know, the 14 you and under kids will play about 40, you know, less 40 or less. Um, 
you know, I, the high school kids, you know, we're, we're limited with the high school kids cause they have high school ball. So mm-hmm. we can't do anything with them. They can do individual lessons with them during the high school season, but we can't, I can't do like a structured CBT practice with them during the high school season. Cause it would be a WIA violation. Yep. Uh, they can still come in and use the facility on their own, but I can't, I can't have a structured practice, <clears throat> but so we'll, we'll play in six or seven tournaments from middle of June to the end of July. So that's about 30 to 35 games, depending on how far you, you would get in tournaments. So that combined, you know, combined with their high school, it's about 50 games, 55 games, which I think is plenty. Okay. Um, so there's some, you know, you go down South, they're playing, they're playing 125, Jeez. which wow. <laughs> that's, that's just silly. That's a minor league season. What are, what are some of your favorite <laughs> facilities around the uh, Midwest? Uh, my favorite is Grand Park in Indianapolis. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, good call. Love that place. I really like the area down there too. Um, I forget the city that's just south of there. It's it's a really beautiful city. It's very expensive, um, but it's really really pretty city. Um, but yeah, I mean you're dry. You're. I remember that my first time going there. I'm driving through these really right. tall corn cornfield, and all of a sudden you just. 30 yeah. turf baseball fields and soccer fields. And have you seen those uh stone buildings with the football and soccer yes. so, fields in them? It's I can't even imagine. I know what my building costs. I, I can't even imagine the kind of money that is put into that. Yeah, that place is nuts. I I I spent one of my boys was a, a lacrosse player and, and I officiated that sport. So he would we we would every year go down and play in a lacrosse tournament. They used all those. They had like thirty six or something turf fields going. I mean, there were hundreds of teams down yeah. there, and I'd ref all day. He'd play all day, and you know, yeah, end the day and go to Top Golf after. Because you're right, the the area around yeah. there, and, and, and that it's and, and it just grows every single year. I mean, we we started going there when yeah. that, that facility was somewhat new. So it wasn't quite as built up, but then over the years it was, uh, cause I had a son that played soccer as well. Same thing. And those fields are just pristine. I can't believe what the, the field crew must be like the grounds crew. I believe the Colts don't the Colts and, like yeah. practice the, there. Well, or the is, Colts is, and the Pacers. Yeah. I think the Pacers have a, a facility there as well. Yeah. So yeah. 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 That's probably no, I, I like spot. a good call. Good call. Well, baseball season just ended with the World Series, and um, you know you're, you're you're getting geared up for for the start of the season. So we have enjoyed this, Rick. We, we we've we've learned a ton. Um, we'll have you on again. I think you know a little bit later, closer to the season, when we really start talking about baseball in in, in 2024. But you know, people certainly can go to your website, and and, and I know you have a social media presence too. I I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Check us out. Yeah, we're looking for, you know, we have we have rental space in the facility. Yeah. You know, we have our our turf field out at USA, uh, you know, that can be that can be used and rented by by all entities, baseball, softball, a uh, bunch of stuff. So we're we're going to um, I'm actually looking to um, purchase some land next to the facility and make a, a turf field right next to nice. the facility. Uh, there's a lot of I, 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 I never stop. My wife <laughs> always tries to hit the. Uh, the, the stop button on me, but I'm always, there's always something going on in my head. So there's always, there's always plans. 
So there, there, there's more coming. You bring up actually an interesting point about that turf field at USA. I mean, you're, you're somewhat of a lifesaver at some of these springs in, in, in Wisconsin. I mean, it's tough to play. Having a turf infield, you can get games in, and I'm sure your phone rings off the hook for that place. And It's amazing. I mean, for me personally, <laughs> um, I don't have to drag dirt. I don't have to get chalk or clay. <laughs> I, all I have to do is make sure that the correct mound is on the field and that the bases are in the correct uh, base slot. So uh, just the aesthetic of it is it, it's amazing. And we, we host tournaments out there. I've had every tournament I've had for this is the third year. Half of our tournaments next year already are already full. Wow. So every tournament that I've had besides 10U and younger has has all been full. And we have teams from milwaukee madison chicago minneapolis all all come coming into the into the area so the if you build it they will come i guess yeah that's that's amazing i mean you know not only for you but also for the community as well to be able to bring these teams in and experience appleton i mean you know at one time we were a baseball city (laughs) huge baseball city um and so i I was a byproduct of it I, i was appleton league you know, Babe Ruth, you know, yeah. we won our Babe Ruth teams. We won state every year. You know, I was on the 99 team. Um, we went to the Babe Ruth World Series in Abbeville, Louisiana. It was incredible. And then I played Legion ball yep. uh, with the Rebels. We were my sophomore year and junior. We were runners up and my senior. We won. We won state in, up in Marinette. We were state champions. So I, we, we had great baseball. We still, still have do. great baseball. Still now. do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Is there still Babe Ruth? I, I know there's not in this area, but is there still Babe Ruth out there? There is. Uh, there's one up north. I can't remember if it's Wausau um, or Merrill. There, there's one up there, but there's not many. Okay. That's, not that's many. too bad. That, that's a great memory, isn't it? Babe Ruth baseball. That was that was big time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was awesome. But yeah, like even Little League, there's um, Appleton and then Wausau, and then there's like a couple in Milwaukee. Yeah. And that's it. Like even Kakana, Kakana even got rid of the, the charter with Little League. Two we years sat ago, down so. with, with Kevin Kostelecki of Appleton Little League, and, and he talks about that, that, that there aren't many Little Leagues any, anymore either. Yeah, the landscape yeah. has changed, but you know, like, like Tasha mm-hmm. said a couple of times, and I completely agree with him things do change but i we really like your message we like the way you're doing things you, you know i mean that as, as a parent that, that's what we want for our kids is that we want somebody teaching our kids that, that have the values and philosophy that, that, that you have and that's that's uh, you should be commended for that in our eyes yeah i know i know kevin well too and and i, I want to say that the majority of our kids that are in appleton that play for cbt also play Appleton Little League. Yeah. That's great. I want kids to play Appleton Little League. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. The more baseball, the better. Um, so there, there's programs, uh, competitors of mine that don't let kids play other leagues. I, I think it's, I don't know why, but <laughs> um, yeah, we, we have kids that play CBT and for their local leagues. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I think it's it, it's only healthy. Well, and that speaks to exactly what we were just talking about. I. I I don't see anything wrong with that as well. Both different experiences, 
both life experiences. Like, like we've been talking about this this whole conversation. I mean, the things that we remember, the things that Bruce Erickson's have taught us. It's not how to ground a you know how to pick up a ground ball or, or hit a curveball or whatever. It's about your buddies and it's about your teachers and, and your coaches that are. Uh, those are the life lessons, and both offer that that identical experience. So that's both of you guys are, are doing great things, and we appreciate it. Of course, thank you guys for doing this too. This is. This is fantastic. Growing just sports in, in Northeast Wisconsin is, um, I'm all for that, obviously. So anything I can do to help you guys, just let me know. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your message. It's been fantastic. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, Tosh, it's that exciting time again when it's the Red Smith Banquet throwback time. And, well, Tosh, we go back to the year 2000. We we had just survived Y2K. Thank God the world didn't end. And because of that, we were graced in Appleton, Wisconsin, with one of my favorite baseball players ever to play, Hall of Famer. Just a unique personality, yeah. a unique body shape. Number 34 for the Minnesota Twins. And I can't pronounce his name like, like the announcer always did, but Kirby Puckett, man. Kirby yeah. Puckett. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, he was an electric player. He was fun to watch. He would, I mean, literally run through walls. Just, yeah. I mean, he was, in he World was Series. absolutely in World Series. He was absolutely incredible. I mean, just a fun, fun player. I mean, we were lucky because he came the year after Paul Molitor. Molitor was in 99 and then Kirby Puckett in 2000. I mean, back-to-back years of just just incredible, incredible baseball players to be able to see be seen at the Red Smith Awards Banquet. This is a guy who made the most out of what he had, and he had a lot of skills. Um, he didn't look like the prototypical baseball player, but he definitely was an amazing baseball player. He gave guys like me hope, man. Shaped <laughs> like that, he was awesome. He... Uh... You're right. He, he, he was so neat, uniquely shaped, but at the same time, he was just, he was very, very light on his feet, quick, quick player. I mean, like, you know, like you said earlier, I mean, he did run through a wall to catch a fly ball in, in the, in the world series. He was very, you know, his, his agility was yeah, as good as anybody, but his stroke, the way he could hit right. the ball was just, you know, we, Kirby passed away young and, and, and that that was super sad. I mean, he was only 45 years old and, and same thing kind of happened to, to another great hitter in that era, Tony Gwynn, you know, he was only 54. We, we lost two of our, you know, childhood idols mm-hmm. to the best hitters through, through our, you know, the, the eighties and nineties, you know, left this earth too early, but gosh, darn, there were some great hitters. Right. And, you know, Kirby was just like the nicest guy possible as well. Had a yeah. huge smile on his face. I mean, if you remember Kirby, uh, 1995, he had his jaw broken. And yeah. uh, 96, he was hitting 344 in, in the uh, Grapefruit League and uh, woke up one morning and he couldn't see out of his right eye with glaucoma and went through several surgeries and couldn't repair it and had to retire in July of that year, of 1996. Yeah. You know, when we met Kirby in, in 2000, he could have been a bitter guy. For, for sure. You know, that, that, right. It sucks what happened to happen to him. It was a freak accident. 
but he wasn't like that. You know, in fact, one of my favorite, favorite pictures that I own is Kirby. And, and back in 2000, I, I, I had longer dreads back then and Kirby took a liking to my dreads and there's somebody <laughs> captured a photo of him pointing out, uh, his likeness of my dreads, I guess, uh, <laughs> in that photo, which I, I cherish to this day. Yeah. Great guy. Great. Great. It's going to be a great interview. You guys are going to love it. And, uh, you know, if you like this, remember go on YouTube on, on Sundays and you get the full interview, uh, and, uh, you know, continue to like, and subscribe to all your social networks for us and, uh, enjoy. Red Smith Sports Awards Banquet Throwback. The Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin and also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, this year's Miller and Nice Guy Award recipient, Mr. Kirby Puckett. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's, it, I don't think it's really fair for me to come up here after Lee Rimmel because, uh, you know, I heard earlier that he'd do anything for you. And uh, we were in the reception downstairs earlier, and uh, he was telling me, I said, can I just go see a Packers game, just two tickets? And he told me no. <laughs> so I talked to John, and John said, he'll give me all the Bucks tickets I want. So I think I'm going to the Bucks games. That's okay. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Red Smith Committee, really. It's, it's, it's an honor for me to be here. I think we've been trying to get me here, I think, for the last six years. And uh, I'd like to congratulate Billy Smith because he's the one that uh, got me to do this. He bugged me for six years, and finally I got tired of Smitty, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I'm happy that I came, really. This is a pleasure, and it's an honor for me to be here. But I can honestly tell you that I, I enjoyed every single moment that I was on the field playing baseball. You always saw me smiling, whether I struck out four times or whether I got four hits. I was always the same. I never let the game of baseball change me. You have to understand that fame is fleeting. It could be here today and it could be gone tomorrow. So I think you have to treat people how you want people to treat you. I'd like to congratulate Larry, too, on being in the Hall of Fame for the Packers. That's really great. You played 162 games, huh? One baseball season. <laughs> wow. I still love you, Larry. <laughs> Smarter than me. Throughout my whole life, I was told I wasn't going to be this. I was too short. I was too this. I was too that. I was too this. But as you can see, I just kept telling myself that I could do whatever it was I wanted to do. My first thing I wanted to do in life, like I said, was play baseball. I was going to get myself to I was 25 years old. If I wasn't in the big leagues at 25, I was going to be a police officer. My major in college was criminal justice. If that didn't work out, I was going to be a garbage man. And I was going to be the best damn garbage man you've ever seen. <laughs> whatever I tried to, whatever I wanted to do in life, I did it. People told me I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that, like I said earlier. I made it to the big leagues in two years. 
you know, the great organization of twins that I'm very, very proud to say that I wore one uniform throughout my whole career. And there's not many guys that can say that these days. But I've never been a person to take all the credit for the things that I achieved. I had great teammates. I had great people in the front office. Mr. Lowell Preeb used to be our traveling secretary. Lowell took care of myself and my wife, Tanya, and my kids. And, and now he married Wendy, and he's, he's rich now. So, <laughs> Boy, is he smarter than me or what? I had to play baseball for 12 years and got all this money, and now my wife is rich, and I'm still here standing in front of you, don't have nothing. I got this suit, and that's it. <laughs> I have some crazy teammates. I got to play with some great guys. All my life, I wanted to play with two guys in baseball. I wanted to play with three guys, actually. I'm not just saying that because I'm here in Milwaukee. I wanted to play with Paul Molitor. Well, Molly finally came over to the Twins. As you know, yeah, you can clap for him. He was great. He was one of my heroes, really. I wanted to play with Dave Winfield. When he came over, he got his 3,000 hit in the Twins uniform. I was proud about that. And I wanted to play with Robin Yount. I never got the opportunity. Every time we played the Brewers here, you guys are traded on me. You're in the National League now, but I'm not mad at you now. I'm cheering for you now. <laughs> I am one of the few people in this room that's going to miss County Stadium tremendously. I hit 363 in my career at County Stadium. <laughs> Don't tear down and make it a parking lot. My family and I will move in there. I love it, really. <laughs> I live outside of my, my ice house, my fish house. I swear I won't move, I promise. <laughs> my life has taken a tremendous change, but people thought that I would cry or point fingers. And my mom and dad always told me that when I was a kid to stand up proud. You know, always believe, find something you believe in and feel very strongly about it. Stand up and let people know how you feel. At my press conference, I told everybody, I said, don't be sad. And if you cry, let there be tears of joy, not tears of sadness. I got to live out my dream ever since I was five years old. I got to play 12 wonderful years in the big leagues. I got to do way more things than I ever thought I'd do. And this is coming from a kid who came from nothing, who grew up to be something. But through the whole time, I never changed. And that's what I tell people I come in contact with. Don't ever change. You can be whatever you want to be. Believe strongly. Find something you can do. Put your heart into it. That's the way you succeed. All these people sitting up here, and all of you all, we're all successful. You know why? Because we believe in what we do. Whatever it is we do, you believe in it strongly. If you, like I said, if I was going to be a garbage man, I was going to be the best damn garbage man in the world. Smiling, picking up your garbage, how you doing? Looking for those presents for Christmas and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but I was going to be happy. I was going to be proud doing it. You love me. I never miss. <laughs> never called in sick to work. Never been sick a day in my life. Never, ever. Never missed a game. I'd like to congratulate all the, all the recipients tonight, really. That's really special honors you guys got today. You guys should be proud of yourselves. Now you're going to the next level in life. College, it's a breeze, no problem. Go to class when you want, do what you want to do. <laughs> don't believe it. <laughs> don't believe it. Just don't go to the University of Minnesota unless you want to. They'll do your homework for you. <laughs> cool. 
Well, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I didn't go there. <laughs> all I can say is life is wonderful. We're all blessed. Enjoy yourself. Just remember this, procrastination is the thief of time. Don't talk about, I should have done this or I should have done this. If you got something you want to do, do it. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. Thank you all for having me today. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you all so much. Good. All right, NoosaCast listeners, it's time for that segment that we, uh, we try to get right, and most of the time we do, but it's the forgotten and never forgotten. So, Joe, what's forgotten for you? Well, Tosh, it gets me every single year. It's forgotten, and I certainly have to get to a point where it's never forgotten, and that's my preparation for cold weather. Being a uh, mail yep. carrier here, especially whatever it was last Monday or Tuesday when that uh, four inches of snow hit us, I was... Um, it was a long day that day. I was slightly ill-prepared, kind of prepared, but not totally prepared for that day. And it quickly realized that I have a couple of things I need to do before the weather turns drastically cold. And uh, yeah, preparing for cold weather gets me every year, Tash. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's it's tough. Once you get going, I'm sure it's you're okay. But uh, getting that first hit is definitely a, a shock to the system. And you know you have to you have to be prepared for it. You have to get going. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, the old thumb, the old middle finger, the old middle finger, of the right hand, man. That thing is just like solid. I have no feeling left in that that finger when it gets cold. <laughs> but yes, that that is forgotten, Tash. How about you? What uh, what's forgotten with you, Tash? Well, I tell you what, this segment is going to take on a little bit personal meaning for me this week. Um, my forgotten. Uh, it was a year ago today. Uh, which is November 5th, that um, my wife, Melissa, was going through her radiation for her cancer treatments, and um, I had to sh- I shaved her head. So yeah. we were talking about that today, and she goes, you should use that for you never forgetting because I don't – for your forgotten because I don't want to uh, remember that ever again. That's the last time I want you to shave yeah. my head. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I, uh, I want to forget that as well, and we're, we're definitely going to move past that and – Hopefully it goes back into that small part of the memory that only comes out every once in a no, while. No, exactly. Yeah. One, Melissa had a terrific idea that is a great topic for this. I uh, totally agree on, on that point. But more importantly, she battled through that. Like, uh, yeah, you know, it's not a surprise, but yeah. it's a scary situation. And, and um, she came out the other end with a great head of hair. Absolutely. And um, yeah, that, that is uh, – <laughs> That's a tough one. I, I feel bad, but congrats to, to Melissa for sure for a for a fight that uh, and, and a fight that you have to continue to fight. I'm sure, but uh, in fact, that kind of leads into uh, our never forgetting as yeah. well for me. Um, is it is the same thing, you know? We're just uh, never forgetting that fight, uh, never forgetting the battle. Um, you know, we've definitely moved past it in the last year, and hopefully, uh, things continue to progress in the right direction. Um, but yeah, that was a it's been a long year. Um, and, uh, but a lot of good has come out of it and, uh, we're never forgetting those, the times together as a family and, um, Melissa's battle and the fighter that she is. Heck yeah. Makes for good chapters in her book someday. So here's <laughs> exactly. to 24. How about you, Joe? Well, Tash, I'm, I'm never forgetting, uh, I'm, I'm never forgetting trying to learn social media with, with this whole experiment that we're, uh, we're doing here with the NoosaCast that long, alongside us is social media and 
Taylor, our producer, his, his wife, Lindsay, kind of stepped up and, uh, and said, you know what? I can help you guys with, with social media. She kind of jives with us, has sort of the same thought processes that we have. So it's, it's working really well. So I'm never forgetting the one, just how fun this is to, to learn social media. I mean, at my age, there's a lot out there. It's a lot. I mean, we started with nothing and to do TikToks and Instagrams and all that kind of stuff. It's a, uh, it's been enlightening for sure. And Lindsay has been kicking, you know what, for the last couple of weeks. So Absolutely. If you haven't had a chance, just check out our socials. We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, um, X, uh, or formerly Twitter. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube, exactly. YouTube is huge too. That's um, we have a lot of content on YouTube. And Lindsay and Taylor, they're 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 the ones that are making all that go. So I'm never forgetting that. I'm having a heck of a lot of fun adding to that uh, that memory of never forgetting this. So thank you to those guys. And thank you to you guys for following all of our social platforms. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the NoosaCast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd hit up our social pages, subscribe, like, follow, and don't be afraid to engage. Head over to our YouTube channel to get exclusive content like the full interviews and speeches from past Red Smith banquets. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thank you to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Help us grow by subscribing wherever you get your pods or sharing the NoosaCast. Follow us on Facebook, X, TikTok, or Instagram. One of the best ways to help us grow is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and bring greater awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeast Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays Grant, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes. 